It is Thursday, March 23rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who has JP locked away in a darkness retreat, <laughs> Brian Sexton. Did anyone else think that was weird? I mean, that's... Hey, hi, everybody. Uh, Brian Sexton sitting in with uh, Jeff Lagerman for a second straight Thursday evening. Um, those are the dulcet tones of Joe Forsana, who obviously exercised all the, the BS opportunities that you could possibly think of. Oh, no, there's plenty more. All right, good. Um, but that is that is interesting. Why Why you gotta would go, you want to do that? I, first of all, I wouldn't. Can you imagine sitting in a dark room? Do you need a dark room to tell you you want to play football or you don't? I mean, sunlight is good. Yeah. And oh. wasn't the, the toxic toad venom from, from two summers ago, did, that didn't do the trick? Oh, what, what Aaron Rodgers did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah I'm, not, I, you know, I'm not really hip to that kind of thing. I no. mean, it's uh, – I like the sunlight. Yeah. Uh, darkness, uh, you I understand? Think, can you it can bring upon depression, right? Uh, and voices that speak in your head, hallucinations. Vitamin D is good. Yep, I'm good with it. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers has gotten, for lack of a better term, weird. He, he's gone over the edge and and is now. I, I don't know that I've ever. I mean, Tom Brady's ponytail was kind of strange. But Aaron Rodgers with the toad venom. Wasn't quite a ponytail, though. No. No. There's another name for Wasn't that. Wasn't the man Joe, you bun. you got to help me out. There's a name for a ponytail that's He's not quite it. a ponytail. I mean, I get it. The greatness is undeniable, right? I mean, the guy's a great quarterback. But you need to go sit in the darkness to decide whether you want to keep playing or not. Yeah. The, I, the, one, one of the things that I have not become, or one of the reasons why I've not become not a fan of Aaron Rodgers is that over the last couple of years he's been very vocal, which yeah. is which is fine. I mean that's your right. You're a starting quarterback, and, knows what he wants, and arguably a, a Hall of Fame guy. But if you're really about getting better and about team and everything else, then you're doing the things that Tom Brady has done and has showed that are what it takes to right. be a championship caliber quarterback. Not well, I'm not going to be there for my team. You can't you can't sit there and bitch about a situation, and then not be part of the solution and helping the process along, which is, I think, what he's done over the last two years. And I think it's a big reason why that the fan base in Green Bay is okay with yeah. him saying sayonara. Yeah, they're ready to see the love kid come on online. Here's the other thing with, with Brady. Brady took less than the highest paid salary slot. Always did. Always did. And Aaron Rodgers owns it by a mile <laughs> in Green Bay. So yeah. it is what it is. This is not – Packers today or happy hour in Green Bay but Joe brought it up thanks Joe appreciate it it'll be interesting to see how that plays out I mean it's one of the most compelling stories in the National Football League right now yeah where's that gonna come to an end what will the compensation be at what point will Aaron Rodgers be there to help his teammates learn this new system that Nate Hackett is going to install as the new offensive coordinator and will he be there to help and, and, you know, there's a lot of different sites, and one of the most popular ones is, is Mike Florio's Pro Football, Pro Football Talk. Talk. And he has a lot of opinions about there's really no hurry for the Jets in this situation for a couple reasons. One, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to learn system. He already, learned, already knows the system. Yep. And that he doesn't need to be there because he probably doesn't want to be there until it's time to perform, which is game time. And, and, and I sit there and I go – those things are all true. So he's saying that the Jets are basically in the catbird seat, and the Packers like it, yeah. are, don't seem to understand that 
at all because if Aaron Rodgers at some point shows up to Green Bay and says, I'm going to play for you and pay me, right. they screwed, have to pay right. him. Because it's $54 million, I think, is the option bonus. Yeah, it's something crazy. So the interesting part is if you're the Jets, do you, are you comfortable? Because you know he knows the system, and, and you've already brought in Alan Lazard to go with Hackett. Maybe wait till the day after the draft and give him next year's draft picks. Maybe. And, and, and I'm okay with that, but at, at some point, if you're if you're going to try to take the next step as a franchise, and I, I don't care if you're the Jets or, or anybody for that matter, you have a new offensive system with a new quarterback with a lot of new components on the offensive side of the ball. You need to have your quarterback there for the voluntary aspect of the offseason program and the voluntary and the the mandatory aspect of the offseason program. And if you're not getting that, then you're not getting Aaron Rodgers all or whoever's all. He's made more than $200 million playing professional football. Pretty good money. Yeah, that's right. You think that factors into it right now? I mean, you think he has to convince himself that he really wants to play? No, I don't think it's about – I don't think it's so much about money with him. I think it's a little bit of more – it's more about – he's always seemed to like the attention. Yeah. And I think it's that maybe is more important to him than the money and the the greatness, the winning. Maybe right. um, I don't know, but it it's just kind of odd. Some of the some of the actions that he's had over the last couple years, when he could have clearly done some other things that would have helped the situation in Green Bay, instead of just pointing fingers recklessly right. at coaches or at players. Not a good look. All right, well, good luck to the Jets. Uh, <laughs> this, you know, I, I, say, I think I said last week, the night that the Jets beat the Rams, I remember my boys coming in and going, Dad, 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 the Jets are about to beat the Rams. I went, no, 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 hold on, after the Raiders thing right before it, right? Call me when the clock says 0, zero colon zero, 0 And the first thought when it was was, what are they doing? So they, they get the second-best quarterback, or who they thought was the second-best quarterback, and now they're playing around with Aaron Rodgers and, and, and tens of millions of dollars in salary. I mean, catbird seed right here, Duval County, right? Jacksonville, Florida. Have your quarterback. Have your coach. From one game. One game. One game. One game they shouldn't have won. Change and, the fortunes of two franchises. And don't you know that, that the Jets' front office – not the coaching staff, but the Jets' front office on that flight home had to have their, you know, their head in their hands, going, "Oh my God, what did we just cost ourselves? <laughs> what did we just do?" Well, now what you had is the front office. All I think there was twelve people supposedly that went to visit Aaron uh, Rodgers in California. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Back to California where things hmm. didn't go well. Speaking of the Jaguars, um, let's start there. Dernis Johnson, the running back from South Florida, who played in. Cleveland is the third back last year was just in here signing his contract. They were taking pictures. It'll all be up on social media soon. Uh, the Jaguars are playing in, I don't want to, this is, is not meant to be an insult. They're playing in bargain free agency now, right? Yeah, which is what we talked about last week, right? About, Hey, look, you know, there are some guys that you're going to be able to get that are in that mid, mid to lower tier. And that's where you're going to be a player. And that's where we talked about things that might make a difference, the coach, the culture, the facilities, et cetera. Right, but he's a guy who's done some things. Uh, he had 146 yards rushing in a game last year for, for the Browns. Um, he, he, he seems to be a guy who can give them, beyond just being that third back, that change of pace back, seems like he's a good, solid special teams guy as well. Well, and that's what that's what that third back is. Got to be. I mean, third back, first 
you know, and, and here's the question. Would he be the number two back or would he be the number three back? I mean, I, I think there's legitimate competition. Really, always there is legitimate competition between a third and a second back about who's going to be the next man up behind ETN. Right. So I think that that's but, – but special teams has got to be a big part of that, especially when you've got limited guys on your offense that uh, at other positions – tight end, wide receiver that are great special teams players. You're not getting that. So that position has to be, first and foremost, a special teams player or a really good back and a marginal special teams player. So let's talk about the Jag salary cap. And by the way, we're going to talk about the Jaguars' positions, right? The the, the positions of greatest need. How, how How many people have come up to you, because I've had this question so many different times. Okay. Like everywhere I go. Right. Jeff. What are we doing? Are we are we not going to sign anybody? I get that a lot. Are are, are we are we not going to help sign uh, and get better? We've just lost people. The, We've gotten worse. We haven't gotten better. All right. So two things. <laughs> One, the opening of free agency has become a holiday in Duval County over the last couple of years. Last year, the Jaguars set a, a record: one hundred and seventy-five million dollars, the most ever spent by one team on one free agent class. Yeah, but how much was the amount of contracts? The contracts, though, I think were bigger than that. Uh, I thought it was 175 guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed money. But I think the total contract value was like $323 yeah. million or something like that. It Most was ever on wow. one class. And the year before they went out and made a big splash. You know, Two Shaq Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins and Roy Robertson-Harris. People have been spoiled by this. They've gotten used to this being that a that's really big day. When the Jaguars get better. Right. When you're the quarterback... And the salary cap room, I mean, let's be honest. The Jaguars spent their money last year. There's nothing to spend. There's no room. They're renegotiating contracts. Let's just lay this out, okay? Who, who, who just got redone? All right, so um, Foley Fatakasi. They okay. just – how, how do you do this and make it simple for people? Um, you take what's called paragraph five, which, you know, former – That's your annual salaries. Baseline, your, your salary, yes. right? So and then the only way that you can really gain an advantage – in cap space is that you're converting what is going to be your salary for this year right. into a signing bonus, which that can then be spread out through the remainder of the years of the deal. A hundred percent. And so you have to have a high paragraph five. To give people an idea, just real quick. Yeah. Let's say Fadakasi had, and we're going to do this for simple terms, right. that he had $5 million salary. Okay. And he had five years remaining left on the deal. So let's say you cut or six million dollars in salary. So you cut his salary by five million. So what you're doing is spreading the five million over the course of five years. So you're dropping the cap pit this year to one by an from six right down to one, actually two, if you're going to amortize the salary, the signing bonus throughout the remainder of the five years. This year being one of them, right? But that's a significant drop. So you're basically using cash money. Up front now to open up room now, but at some point you got to pay for it later on. It's like our old friend Vic Ketchman used to say. It's like a credit card. You're just pushing it out, right? You're pushing the money out. So if you put too much in next year, it limits next year. Or if you put too much in the year after, it limits the year after. What, what, and one thing that you have to be careful of, the only thing that you've got to be cognizant of right. about how far you push that money out, When's the next big payday for your quarterback? Mm. 
You cannot screw that year up from well, a salary cap standpoint. That could be as soon as next season because your guy is eligible after his third year. So it could be next year or it could be the year after. Then they have the fifth-year option. I mean, they've got time to and be And you don't want to get it. to a fifth-year option. No. And, and next year, probably a year early because you've got some issues now. So two years from now, you've got to make sure – Spring of 2025. That, that you don't have yourself in a position that's going to affect your ability right. to get Trevor Lawrence signed – to a long-term deal. So there are a couple of guys left with a big paragraph five. Not a lot. You know, they, they redid Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and, and a lot they've of They've already redone They've that. redone them. There's just a few left. So let me give them to you. Uh, and I'm, I use SpotTrack, by the way, which is one of two or three services over the caps, another one. It might not be down to the penny exact, but it's pretty close, right? So Cam Robinson, according to SpotTrack, has $16 million in paragraph five. And Darius Williams, the corner, has eleven. And Rayshon Jenkins, the safety, has seven and a half. So you do the math there. You're like, what, 34 and a half, roughly 35 million. With in, those three guys. In salary this next year. So there's a, there's a big chunk. They you, call that paragraph five salary right. for people that are wondering. That's, there, that's the annual salary. Right. So there's a big chunk you could go and claw back, and, and you could move the money out and buy some space if there was something you had to have. And by the way, they redid Foley Fatakasi this week already. He was on my list here. Um, and so they're at about 10. What was his number? Eight and a half. Eight and a half in paragraph five. In paragraph five, okay. right. So there's a big chunk. And, and it, it's worth noting, you can only take these guys down to the veteran minimum. You can't take them down to 400000 which is or the under- dollar. Right, or a dollar. <laughs> and the, rookie, the veteran minimum for these guys is, is roughly a million and a half. Yeah, and it depends on years of service. Exactly. To, to so you can, you can only do so much. There's there's a bunch of accounting tricks to get it done. And by the way, the accounting tricks caught this team. And you remember, we lived through that back in 2002. It's one of the reasons why you had to say goodbye to Tony Bissell. 100%. It's one of the reasons why I kind of go, don't get crazy here and do too much. Um, I wonder if Cam and Darius and Rayshon, I mean, do you really? Those are guys, Cam, they've made a big investment in. Darius is a two-year deal. I think Rayshon's got another year on his deal. How, how, in other words, if you push the money out, you got to add years to the contract. Right? You can. I mean, you, you, you start to get into some interesting caponomics. A couple other guys to consider. They could always do a deal with Evan Ingram, and I'm sure they're working on that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they said when they applied the franchise tag that this is something they have time until July 15th. To be able to get a deal. That would provide you with some room. Um, and then at that point, the window's closed. Right. Then he gets to play for that number the then, rest of the year. Yeah, then you can't negotiate a long-term deal, no. which I've never understood that. Will you tell me you were on the players? I, I, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't really understand. I mean, if – I think it's just a deadline. They're trying to make it so – what they're really trying to do is to set yourself up. So if you had – let's say they had done this with Juwan Taylor, mm-hmm. and he had an $18 million salary cap figure – Team would want to get too close to the season with that, no. right? So it's a it's that deadline where where you got to get crunching on the numbers. For a lot of people that are wondering why didn't the Jaguars keep Jawan Taylor? Here, here, Eighteen we're, million dollar franchise number. Yeah, we're we're talking about trying. I mean, and he ended up getting an average of 20. 20. 20. Yeah, twenty. Uh, you can't you can't make that number work no. under your current cap situation. So I guess the interesting point, and somebody might be asking that as they listen right now. Well, what do you need the cap room for now? I mean, there's no one really left to sign. There's not a guy that you're going to go and swing at, is there? You need about $10 million for your rookie class. And then you want a cushion. 
you know, guys get hurt. You want to sign someone during the season. You need a little bit of salary cap room to be able to play. With. Well, and you want to sign, zero. you know, guys like veteran guys that are available. Somebody that you'd like to bring in at some point. Yeah, maybe. But they're not. Talk about a defensive lineman. Yeah, some guy yeah. that you know used to play right. here, defensive tackle that's available. You know, you haven't heard that from people when you're standing you know, in line at Publix. Initials have are you? CC. You haven't heard that at Publix, have you? Yeah. Uh, but so real quick, we set this all up and kind of give you the sense of where they are in the salary cap to tell you that they're bargain basement shopping right now. They're looking for guys. Um, there have been reports you've seen them that they're looking in the defensive line area. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. they haven't officially signed these guys. Um, but they're playing there. So what does that tell you about what they think about the draft class? Because I, if I'm not mistaken, defensive line, defensive tackle is one of your hot spots in the draft. Yeah, you, I mean, you, to me, you that's see them fortify that. Well, to me, I mean, that's uh, that's your number one need on your football team is a is a pass rushing defensive tackle. And you, you need Are those a guy. guys out there. Well, they've been found in the past. Yeah. You just need to find one. You're Arden Key, who is gone. Wait, he's gone? He's gone. I'm, just, I'm being sarcastic. I mean, we, I know we, he, we might have something to say about that. Yeah, we'll have that conversation in a minute. But he was he was uh, arguably your best interior pass rusher. Yeah, he's good. And ar- arguably your best outside pass rusher, too. Yeah. Uh, you could he's make smooth. that argument. He was a good football player. But you need to find a way to get production and push on the inside. Fadakasi's never been that guy. Roy Robertson Harris, uh, you'd he like him been at the end of this. Last you'd year. like for him to continue to get better. I mean, it's nothing against the rules that yeah. say an older player can't get better. He had that sack against the Jets. Yes, and he had the one but here consistently. Against the Chargers. He's not a disruptive force as an interior pass rusher. Right. He's, I mean, he's adequate at times, but Fadakasi's essentially a zero. Right. When I say a zero, that's not meant to be derogatory. He just doesn't provide. He's a, it. He's a zero technique. Right which a zero is a nose tackle, which Two-gamper. nose tackles typically are not pass rushers. I think that's what Fadakasi is. And he's a good one now. When he's, when he's on his game, he's really stout and he's really strong. But you've got to find somebody that can impact the passer from the inside. And you've got to have some, some length. You've got to have some size to be able to do that. You can't make a living doing that with guys that are of the stature of what Arden Key was. Right. Six foot five or six foot six and 250 pounds. It's just not consistent enough. So you've got to find a guy. Do you find that guy in the draft? Maybe. Do you find that in the veteran bargain market? Well, maybe. And here's the reality. You probably could use a little bit of both. Right. Okay. And that brings us that brings us to the other answer to the question, how are we going to get better? And that is is that your roster is young and can get better. Improvement, right? Correct. Guys like Trayvon Walker. Um, got to get better. Caleb on Chase on Devin, Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd. Got to get better. Right. Any of these guys that are here that are young players have the opportunity to make your roster better from within. I think that, yes, that's the answer. You always would, and again, what we talked about last week, the lifeblood of any franchise is the draft. And you got to continue to draft and develop to be able to continue to be a winner or to be able to get to being a winner. Right. This football team has got to get improvement out of the players that they have right now. But here's the reality also. You're not going to get some improvement out of some players that you have because you don't have a lot of guys that you're going, oh, the arrow's pointing up on. Okay, for example, name me a young defensive tackle on this roster that you go, man, this guy's really going to be good. I can't. I don't think they've got it. You really don't have it. They've got Devon House, who – not Devon House. 
Devon Hamilton. Um, Good player. Right. Okay. Good, he is what he solid is. He, player. He's a zero technique kind of guy. He's, he's a two he's, gapper. Him and Fadakasi, I put in the same category. Right. Okay. Very similar players. Now, do you have any other young developing players on the defensive side of the ball? Because that's the side of the ball that we look at as being the most needful. Need do you have any young them. corners that you think, hey, look, this guy's going to be good? Tyson. I mean, Tyson, you, you feel yeah. like he is good. Yeah. Darius Williams, no. average. Yeah, he is what he is. Um, do you, can you get uh, one of these young guys? I think he had two, what, a sixth and a seventh round pick last year, two young players. Yeah. Did they show anything last year that no, made to, you excited? To be, I mean, not to be, yet. To be fair, I think they still can get yeah, better. Right. I'm not trying to say that, Buster Brown, that it's a dead end road. He got a couple of opportunities, yeah. but he wasn't ready for it. He's 190 pounds. So you need and to Gregory have from um, Gregory Jr. from uh, Wachita Baptist. Washita. Washita. I think is how you say that. Yeah. Isn't that right, Joe? Set ourselves up for that one. Joe doesn't know. He's he wearing a yellow he, shirt he today. He didn't get a lot of time. Washita. Washita. Wachita. 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 Okay. I think Washita sounds better. Uh, it's kind of close to a curse tomato, word. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> you get my point. No, no, look. Where, where you're headed is, is what are the areas of greatest need? Mm-hmm. Not just for in, not just for guys who can come in and be impactful tomorrow, because we know that in the draft that takes time, but overall on the roster. So let's do this. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. Let's come back, and I want to quiz you on the areas where you think this team needs to address quickly okay. in the draft. And I'm ready. then again, this veteran free agent. All right, this is uh, Jaguars Happy Hour. Brian with Jeff this evening. Joe alongside, making little quirks in his nice yellow shirt. Gray. Gray's the color of the day, buddy. We'll take a break and come back right after this on 1010XL and the Jaguars Digital Network. With Jacksonville, it was a shock to me. I ain't gonna lie. Um, after the year, I thought I was gonna be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, but I felt disrespected because I came in, came over there, turned the, built up the culture, brought a whole lot of energy, um, changed the city, changed the town, and I felt like I was in my right, right for mine. I was gonna be a Jacksonville Jaguar, but that didn't happen. I don't know how he got disrespected out of that. I, I just, I, I really don't. I mean, I, he was a fan favorite, and he did bring a lot of energy, and he was great in the locker room. But disrespected? How about the Titans had more money to give you, pal? The Jaguars, as we just spent the last segment outlining, just didn't have the options to be able to pay Arden Key when they're thinking about, well, how do I get Trevor Lawrence done next year? And a number of young guys that are coming up soon. Disrespected. Rule of thumb number one. When you go to a new place, you don't tell the new place you really wanted to go back to the old place. <laughs> I the same okay, thing. <laughs> that's rule Especially number Tennessee one. Tennessee and the Jaguars. Okay, rule number two. It's a business. Yeah. Okay, the Jaguars have economics issues. It's not about respect or disrespect. Uh, number three is you didn't change the culture. Maybe you were a part of it. I'll give you credit for that. Did he change but, the city, um, though? I, I, th- I thought I heard him say he changed the city. Changed the city, too. Yeah. 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 
Interesting. Hey, a guy who was a third-round pick of the Raiders the is on his fourth team. Love the guy. He does a and, lot. And by the way, for those that were watching on our social media channels, he looked fantastic. He was oh. sharply dressed. He's a good guy. And he's fun to be around the and, I and heard love the, the guy. I went, really? But yeah, first of Do all. Do we have to go to that car? But again, rule number one, don't tell the place that you just went to. You'd rather be there. That you would rather have stayed at where you were at. But if you you're thought him, it was going to happen. Now you're chasing I mean, now you're chasing the quarterback who carried this franchise through those last couple of weeks. Well, he didn't carry the franchise. Ar- Arden changed. Oh, right. Yeah, Arden right, changed right. the quarterback. Yeah. He hey, should have slipped that in there, too. Ryan Tannehill, I changed Trevor Lawrence. the quarterback. I changed yeah. the culture. I changed the city. I wonder why they let him go. <laughs> who knows? No, all it's right. great, though. It's, yeah, uh, it's all good. I love Arden. But uh, Arden uh, might need a little media coaching there. A lot of media coaching. Yeah. Four and a half sacks doesn't tell the whole story of what he did last good year. Good player. He's a really good player. Good just, player and a good guy. The disrespect card. Please, don't play <laughs> that one. It's the one everyone plays. All right. Um, Jaguars happy hour on a Thursday afternoon. Brian and Jeff Lagerman. Uh, we talked through the salary cap and why the Jaguars are playing at the um, – again, it sounds like disrespectful to Ernest Johnson and these other guys they're talking to, but you're playing in the bargain – Zone. Well, right? those those when I say when you say bargain zone, there's nothing wrong with that because there's right. plenty of guys that have played in the bargain zone and then next year they end up hitting free agency again and have a chance at making a much more significant right. contract. And there's nothing wrong with it's that. It's not big money. No, it's and but you're finding guys that come in and sign a one or two year deal to play a role. Well, a lot of people will say that there, there's the haves and the haves nots in the National Football League and that there's no middle class. I don't I don't agree with that. I, I think there still is a middle class in the National Football League, but there are more guys that are at the – there are more bigger numbers at the top, and it's not – put it this way. It's a, it's a it's not a flat curve where you have an equal number of everybody at all different you know, salary levels. Right. There are smaller guys with big numbers, and then there's more guys with smaller numbers. But there's some guys that are in that middle class that make good money, and there's a significant number of them too. All right, so let's look at needs, right? Um, free agency – by design was going to be quiet and it was going to be a guy here and a guy there. They got the running back today. There's talk about a couple of defensive tackles. Jaguars have nothing official. So we don't have anything official for you on that. You had defensive tackle, but Number comma, one. who can rush the passer? Yes. So not Devon Hamilton, not fully fought to cost. No, you're good there. You, you don't need a, you don't need a zero technique. You don't need a one technique. You need a three technique, somebody that can rush the pass. Now, I get that. On first and second down. Okay. And then also on third down. Because on third down, Trayvon Walker can slide inside, right? Maybe. Right? I mean, I he mean did... he, has he shown that he can be a dominant inside pass rusher? No. He hasn't yet. Not yet. He um, hasn't shown that he can be a dominant pass rusher. He's got a lot to prove this year. This is not a defensive tackle heavy draft. Mm-hmm. So let's look at number two on your list. Cornerback. Correct. We talk about Tyson Campbell. It's a three-cornerback league now. It is. I mean, and and it's weird you that – play nickel 65% of the time. 65% of the time, and the league is slanting even more heavily than that, it seems like, over the last year and a half, two years. So I, I would say that it might even be pushing 70%. It's a good draft at the top of the draft for cornerbacks. However – there might be a run before the Jaguars at 24, and you might not see the Joey Porters, right, who fit somewhere in the middle on the board, let alone like Christian Gonzalez, the kid from Oregon, who has a Jalen Ramsey kind of frame, you know, tall and long. 
that guy's going to be gone in the top ten. Right, but look, but look, Brian, if you go back and you look at the history of the draft, are there not guys that end up being great players yeah, that, you that don't are find in the first later round. in the first round and then right. also in the second round? You just got to find the right guy, and that, that's not easy to do. I mean, the farther back that you get in the draft, the more difficult it becomes. The percentages drop that that player is going to be. I mean, that's just history shows and that. And we use Gregory Jr. from it's Wachita a, Baptist It's as a the percentages example. game. Right. Okay, so uh, – but that, to me, that's the number two. Number one, you need a pass-rushing defensive tackle. Okay. Number two, you need another corner. Shaq Griffin's gone. Right. Okay, he's gone. You were hoping this past year that you would have had three with Darius Williams being that third guy. Well, is he the second guy now or is he still a third guy? I don't know. Well, so they talk. Doug Peterson, um, and I know for a fact that Mike Caldwell talked about how much better Williams played when they moved him outside. Yeah, he played better. So, so but was it great? I mean, my answer to that is no. Okay. So and I'm not saying that he played poorly. Right. I just think that if if you're satisfied with that being where you want to be, then you're not where you need to be. Well, I'm just wondering, can you find somebody who can play outside and inside? Right. I mean, if you need, you take whatever quarters. you can find. Okay. So you, whatever you, you on the You take board the there. best corner that you can find, whether that's an inside guy for for nickel or right. if it's an outside guy, and then you make it work. How do you feel about a safety who can play nickel? Well, and that's great. Brian Branch is the kid from Alabama who would love it. Everything I hear is he can step down Very inside. Very few and play guys the slot. can do that. Well, that's true. But that, we, that's, we saw it last year in Baltimore with their rookie safety from um, was it Notre Dame? Yes. Uh, what was his name? And I, I, yeah, and I should have just. <laughs> I just. But anyway, he played. He played big safety. Tall kid. Yeah, yeah, big six tall, four. lean kid. Yep. Uh, many people thought he was the highest rated player in the draft yeah, overall. At some point, he was a top ten. Ended up pick. falling down a little bit, but uh, he played safety, and then he actually was when they went to their nickel package. He stepped. Most down. of the time, he went in and played the slot position, which is very rare for a guy that has length that is a safety to be able to move into that position. Well, and that's the kid from. Alabama branch, which okay. is why he, he can probably, do the same thing. Probably won't be there when they're sitting there at twenty four. And the not. only reason I ask is, you know, twenty four is such a different position for this team than they've been in in recent years. And so I think you're going to be in a position there where there's going to be a defensive back, a defensive tackle, a tight end. There's probably when you look at at the draft. Okay, the Jaguars have been amongst the top for many years. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're probably were, were about eight, nine guys that the Jaguars could have been picking at Leonard Fournette's position. Okay, Last year, there was about four guys that were being talked about for the first overall pick. When Trevor's draft class, there was no question who the pick was going to be. But when you get down into the latter part of the first round, I think that there are probably – 10 to 12 guys that could be candidates. I'm talking about legitimate candidates for the Jaguars to pick at that position because at the top of the draft, you have kind of an elite number. That can be from 7 to 8 to 12 guys that are considered elite players. And then the draft changes a little bit. Now you start to get into there's a larger number of guys that have very similar grades. And so the, the number of players that the Jaguars could be considering at that position or that draft slot I think is much larger than it would have been at the top eight of the draft so it'll be interesting to see 
where they pick, or not where necessarily where they pick, but who they pick, because there are multiple positions that they have to consider and should consider. Can I give you an, a thought on one of those positions? And it is not defense. The Chiefs averaged just under 30 points a game last mm-hmm. year. The Jaguars just under 24. you got to make up a touchdown. And there's a part of me, and I know I know Doug Peterson's history. You know, I talked with him a little this week. Um, he's a guy who he wants to outscore you. If there's a tight end sitting there, not a Chris Manhurst type, if there's a Michael Mayer who is an all-around tight end, mm-hmm. he's not Darnell Washington, the kid from Georgia. That can catch and block. Well, it's probably the most pro-ready guy. Sure. Would you do that? Sure. Could you find enough value at the tight end position knowing that offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and corner are premium positions? It's one of the reasons why that when you have the opportunity in free agency to plug your holes, you do that. So that you can go into the draft saying, hey, look, we just want to take the best player for us. Which uh, you don't want to go in there saying, you know what, we don't have a pass rushing defensive tackle. You know right. what, we don't have a third corner. You go ahead and you and you and you fill those holes in free agency, whether it's guys on one year deals or a two year deal for you know a bargain type player right. or a veteran player that's just looking for a little bit bigger payday, and the second year is probably going to go away. And then you can go into the draft. Seeking exactly the best player that you can find for your situation. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm, I'm sitting there at 24, that. there's but, – I mean, but, 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 Brian, I, I, I want to find some of those guys that we talked about. Right. Because I had pass rushing defensive tackle right. at number one for this team's need. You had corner number two. Corner number two. You had blocking tight end number three. Blocking tight end number three, or I'll take any kind of a, a, a talented tight end. Right. Uh, okay. You had an, uh, any type of pass rusher. At four. Right. Which, which means that this team needs – Two inside rushers, or look, if you can get a talented guy on the outside, right? because that's kind of what Arden Key was for you too, and then you've got Smoot, who's going to be coming back from a pretty significant injury, you need some depth there. And then number five is that Walker Little was an excellent swing tackle yeah, last year. you don't have year. a swing tackle. Now. now you don't have a swing tackle. Let me ask you a question. Would you be at 24 if one of the tackles slides? And there's some good tackles in this draft. Um, I think the kid from Tennessee, uh, Darnell Watt, is is a guy who you know, kind of fits in that, you know, nineteen to twenty five kind of range. Mm-hmm. Would you take a young offensive tackle? I would. Again, if I'm filling my he's holes, he's the best player available. If I'm filling my holes with free agency, knowing that he's probably not going to get on the field this year and help you this year. Well, why couldn't I put him at guard? I guess you could. I'm not talking about. I don't know whether this kid can play guard. I'm not, not talking about replacing, you know, you know, veteran. Okay, the you're the guy that you paid in free agency last year. Yeah. Okay, because Sheriff's a good football player. Right, and okay. he wasn't even healthy last year. I'm talking about at the other ben side. Barch's which Shatley, on the other side. Which Shatley played very well. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong, and I want to keep Shatley because I think he's an excellent backup, and I think Ben Barch could use some competition. Well, here's one for you. Uh, the word was if they had been able to keep uh, Jawan Taylor that Walker Little could have played inside at guard. Could you make Walker a guard if you take an offensive tackle? I haven't seen that. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I would love to say, yeah, yeah. that I no, just – I know your perspective. I, I thought I thought his skill set is tackle. Okay. But then again, I remember when Ogden played guard, I'm like, there's no way. 1996, Tony Jones did, was the left tackle. And he did it really he well. pretty good, too. And he did it really well, so – but. 
playing guards a little different, and and Ogden was just Hall a Hall of Fame player. He's yeah. a freak. Yeah, Hall of Fame freak. Six foot nine, and he could get down in his stance freak. as a guard. He's one of the few guys that I ever played against. That when I was getting ready to pass rush him, I had absolutely no clue what I was going to try to use because I didn't feel confident anything would work. <laughs> right, because <laughs> he could reach around you. He had the longest. I, mean, I got arms. pretty good sized hands. Yeah, but his hands were so big, and you know, Baselli's a big guy. Yeah, but when you saw Ogden He's stand next to Baselli, yeah. he was bigger, freakishly like, huge. And you remember, by the way, just to give people. Some old timers. When the Jaguars signed Leon Searcy in 1996, they moved Brian DeMarco, who's a big guy, six foot seven, three thirty. He couldn't bend. Mm-hmm. He couldn't play guard. Mm-hmm. He struggled at guard. Rich Tilsky took over uh, midway through the season. Couldn't play tackle could, either. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but Brian had no ability, and Jonathan's bigger than him, and Jonathan could play guard. So mm-hmm. I, I just it, it's just an interesting conversation to see because the next couple of weeks. The Jaguars board is pretty much set. They're doing the fine-tuning at this point, trying to figure out you know what they need and where it can go. Um, I think if they take an offensive tackle, people are going to go, what? Right? Yeah, it's not sexy. No. It doesn't, it doesn't sell tickets. No, it doesn't but do a whole lot it, of that. It, you know, you got, you, got a, you got a pretty significant investment at quarterback, right? Yeah, you got to keep him up. Right? Is, it, is it ever a bad thing no. to get a guy that's just going to help protect your quarterback? When no, he, when he's of the stature that you think he is. Hey, what would be sexy yeah. here? Is is a Michael Mayer or, or the Darnell Washington kid, the big six foot seven, you know, Mercedes Lewis kind of guy yeah. at uh, at Georgia. Georgia. I just mm, more weapons for this quarterback. I'm with you. I'm with we you. We saw how we saw how the the Colts did it for years. They spent money and time and draft picks on offense and on defense. They had two guys, so occasionally three, but Robert Mathis and. Um, Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney. Oh, man. That, that was all it took. They were playing perfect, with the lead all the time. Perfect combination because they were front-running pass oh, rushers. Yeah. And they had it perfect. It worked out perfect. Yeah. We'll see what they do. Hey, when we come back, I've spent some time this week working on some alumni stuff, and I spent a good bit of time with a couple of guys, and, and a conversation sparked. And I want to get your perspective okay. on the conversation. And, and, and this is something folks will probably want to chime in on. So – Get ready for it, folks. Uh, The question is coming up next here on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. All right, uh, word is out now that word is out that Calais Campbell that you kind of subtly hinted at. um, When I went CC? Was in the building today. I guess Demetrius Harvey from the Times Union has has tweeted it, so um, no uh, sense in hiding it. Yeah, that that would be fun, right? It would be awesome. What could he do? Rush the passer from okay. the defensive tackle spot. Oh, he would let you cross. Hey, like off number the one need. Ooh, yes, number one need. Yeah, there, there's you know there's a perfect example of a guy that uh, I think he still got a you know, place here. Yeah, it is at the point in his career where he wants to win. Okay, this team. He had his like, best professional season here in 2017. No doubt, he's still productive. Yep, he still has a lot of respect in this locker room. I think he's got great respect in the community. I think he's at the point in his career that uh, money matters, but it's not everything. Right. And this team is in a situation where money's not everything for well, right now, what they can spend. And if you're Calais, I mean, Atlanta's a great city to live in, right? But their quarterback is Desmond Ritter. If you had the chance to come back here, by the way, open a brand-new practice facility, right? So world-class facility mm-hmm. with a quarterback at the very tail end of your career in a place I, I, I could be wrong. But my guess is a lot of people who are listening to this right now 
would put Calais in, in the pride of the Jaguars at some point in time for that season that he was a part of. Beautiful. I mean, it was one of the most amazing seasons. And, you know, when we talk, talk me and a lot of guys in, that have played the, the game for this football team have had a conversation about the great Jaguars, and we put him on that he's list. There. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he had tremendous, tremendous production for this football team. Well, this helps me translate to the, uh, the alumni conversation because I've been working on the next edition of the alumni newsletter, a lot of your former teammates, guys that I know that you are very fond of. And I spent some time yesterday. But first of all, I spent some time today with Big Rich Collier. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to write this story. The biggest smile, the happiest person, the best perspective. Rich Collier. It was 15 years ago that he was shot 14 times. Crazy. It, it, it is absolutely crazy. Um, he loves his teammates. His teammates love him. It's a great story. I have to find a way to write that for the website, too. It's one of the, one of the greatest personalities that's ever been here. Unbelievable. And we sat and told stories. In fact, I had to go. I have to go. Um, and he was telling most of them, not me. But I spent some time with James Stewart yesterday. And since the Jaguars re- or signed the Ernest Johnson, mm-hmm. a running back, James and I were just talking about the long list of running backs, the running back culture that they have here, right? And it, it starts with James, first-round pick. Let me, Remember, just, let me just say this real quick. Yeah. It would have been a lot better. Are you going to tell the story about the sleeve on the arm? <laughs> no, okay. I will. But <laughs> I it would have been will. a lot better if we were talking about the great quarterback culture that we have had here. <laughs> yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're talking about running backs. But there's been some great running backs here, and, and it all started with Natron. With, uh, with Stuart and Natron, right? Yeah. Um, and they were a one-two combo. Um, and, and, and I think Nate allowed Stu to kind of gain his footing a little bit. Yeah. You know, because uh, there was a lot of pressure – I think on early on with James, you know, he's a first-round pick. He's got to produce. In the first year, he did a good job. Yeah. But then getting Nate, I think, really helped. Because I, I believe it's this league, you got to have two backs. And well, having two backs hot. took some pressure off yeah. of Stu. And Stu's a super guy. Yeah. 33 and, touchdowns. Which is amazing. Career, which, by the way, was his jersey number. He's a good dude. Very true. Good dude. And by the way, he is one of those guys who looks like he could still play. No doubt. He's got a personal training business out on Mayport Road. He he is by far the greatest old guy that uh, played the game for the Jaguars as far as when you look at him. He's, yeah. he's amazing. And he tells me all the time. He goes, I'm an old school guy. That's why I got along with Coughlin. He, he was great. It's another story I'm really looking forward to write. So Stu and Nate, and then here comes Fred. And I don't think any of us have to sing the, the praises or describe the virtues of Fred. You saw it. Right away, I remember talking to you in the locker room. I remember where your locker was and yeah. saying, "Tell me about 28." And you're like, "What do I need to tell you? Can't you see it for yourself?" Yeah. The the one thing I remember about Fred was the speed was just unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, he got got dinged up a little bit this first year and was in the training room was kind of having a hard time adjusting and and was having a pretty emotional moment. Was uh, was thinking that he may get cut. And I went up to Fred and had a conversation with him. And it's like, hey, you know, what, what's going on? And he told me. And, and he said, man, I don't know if I'm going to get cut. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, Fred. Hit the brakes, buddy. First of all, you're a first-round pick, and you're not getting cut. Okay. But, I mean, you know, that's the kind of the fear that Coughlin kind of was instilling. Oh, you're saying Tom was instilling <laughs> Shocking that he would. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, but I mean, not feel secure. Fred was, uh, you know. I told my boys. Performance is self-explanatory. I have a 17 and an 18-year-old in the house right now. And I I told them today we're going to have this conversation tonight. So they're probably listening. And I remember saying if Fred was 23 and a second-year player today, he'd be the best running back in football. 
Yeah. No, Saquon, Dad. Saquon, I went, stop. Stop. Saquon's great. Fred Taylor is in an entirely different atmosphere than Saquon. How can you say that? Because I watched him. The only thing that Fred, I think, that hampered his career, when I say hampered, would have helped him if he scored more touchdowns. Yeah. But a lot of times when they got into that area, they took him out. Right. They for, gave the ball to Stewart. For Stewart some, 13 why, touchdowns in 99. Yeah, which is why he had 33 touchdowns. Yep. Because he was the guy that was used in that situation. Right. For some reason, Fred was taken out. Uh, the uh, the game-breaking speed and the open field running ability that Fred had would just light this game on fire the way it is right now. Uh, if you're listening, I told you. I told you. He would be the best. Okay, move on before anyone can counter me on that one. After um, that, more mojo. And mojo. then you had the the tandem. Yeah. So it, it in, was in unique. In 2007. This team has always been at its best when it's had its tandem. 154.6 yards per game, which allowed David Garrard to step into the starting job that year, if you recall, and just – do what he could do. Which that's a conversation and a story in and of itself. Oh, a whole other story. How that came about. But David, <laughs> David played great that year. Yeah. And he could because he could lean on the running game, right? Yeah. Yes. And then after MJD steps away, you have a lull at the running back position. And then all of a sudden they spend a fourth overall pick on Leonard Fournette. And, and Fournette was... The one guy, let me go back okay. a little bit because if you go back to the early Jaguar years... The one guy that I thought was really going to add to the backfield that never had an opportunity, that had a significant knee injury. Do you remember the name? Stacy Mack? Nope. Oh, you're talking about the kid from, uh, from Southern. Nope. And he, he had blonde hair. Oh, you just told it. Oh, Tavian Banks. Banks. Yes. Tavian Banks. I talked to him not long ago. Did Again, you? in the alumni capacity, he is a very successful YMCA regional director in his hometown of Sioux City, Iowa. Awesome. He is he is running youth programs. He was interested in 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 a job here in Jacksonville with the Jaguars, but he, he it was way it was below his ability level. Mm -hmm. Right. He was way too overqualified for it. Tavian Banks is a tremendous success story away from football. Great guy. Can't Great guy, and, uh, and I always thought that he was going to be that X-factor back for this football team. Oh. And then Remember it was the a touchdown against the Giants here in the preseason oh. where he reversed field and leapt over a defensive tackle. And it was a preseason game. Pre the guy hit him out of bounds. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about when he got hurt. That was Ray. Yes. Um, no, that was, that was in Atlanta at the end of the regular season. Yes. It, was Ray, it was the corner, Ray. Ray McLeod. Uh, no. Not Bentley. Uh, but it was um, it was out of bounds. It was out of bounds, but it was in December. It was a regular season game. And I was like, what are you doing? I know. Why was he in the game? It was like two yards, meaningless point of game. Yeah. But it was a, about a yard and a half, two yards out of bounds that this this hit occurred Took at. place. And yeah. it was like, oh, my God, just ruined a guy's career. Right. The only time I've ever flown home on that I don't even think charge. it was flagged. Uh, I don't recall if it I was. Even, it should but have I, been. I remember hearing Tavian Banks moan. The whole way home oh, from it Atlanta. It was a short flight. Tragic. But you could hear it. And then, and I, and I told Tavian this when I talked to him. Um, I never saw you again. No. Never saw you again. And we got to wrap up. This Great week. guy. Great guy. Great guy. Um, one more, and that's ETN, where they are right now. I mean, they just, this franchise has a nice history of really talented running backs. And we'll take a break and come back and wrap this show up right after this. All right, back to uh, wrap up this wandering edition of Jaguars this week. I'm sorry, I'm 
happy hour. It feels like the old days. Um, going down memory road, we could do that with a lot of positions, you know, where there's been some talent here. But that running back thing just stands out. And and James Stewart sparked it all. So, Stu, if you're listening, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, next couple weeks are really important for this franchise because if they're going to be draft and develop, it isn't just – and this is something Rich Collier told me today when we talked. He was an undrafted rookie when he came out of Aldosta. And you were the first one to point him out. Great feet. You pointed him out on the practice. But you're like, look at that big guy there. He can play. And I went, how can you tell? He's not even in pads. Had great like, feet. Look at his feet. Could, he could move his feet. They found him. And, and Rich told me today that James Harris and Jack Del Rio told him two weeks before the draft, we're not drafting a tackle. If you're not drafted, we would like you to come back here and, and be one of our priority rookie free agent signings. And he said the reason that he did was because they were the only people that didn't blow smoke at him right. who said, that's where I want to go. What they what they said they were going to do said, or what was going to happen. And they happened. did it. So Trent Baalke and his staff, and they know this. This is not news. They have got to do an amazing job the next couple of years, not just with their draft picks, but with those guys like Richard Collier, where you go and mine guys that come in. They might not be stars, but they might come in and be really important role players. Or you had a running back that was just here not long ago that ended up getting you a draft pick and a trade and was very productive in J-Rob. Yeah, I mean, you, 100%. you have to find guys like that because the percentages are obviously higher with draft picks. But the reality is is that you've got to win. You've got to try to beat some of those percentages. I don't know what the, the success rate is on first-round picks, but it, it keeps dropping in, in a – significant way the farther down the draft you get and it continues to drop drastically yeah. when you have undrafted well and the irony is we're going to talk so much you got to hit some in the draft about the first round pick right at number 24 but the second third fourth fifth those are incredibly important draft picks you've got to hit on those guys because they replenish your cap you're supposed to you're supposed to draft starters yeah. in the first three rounds yeah. starter 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 yeah. and then when you get to the fourth you're supposed to draft a contributor and then you try to hope to get something after that. So you need to hit where you can. That's fun. Looking if JP wants it. to take next Thursday off, I can sit in again. Yeah. JP is uh, is Eve. Uh, he's probably he's coming back right now. He's listening right now. He's like, I'll be there next week, Sexton. You can take it off. For Jeff Lagerman and Joe Fortunato, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Jaguars happy hour is finished.